Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. The Michelin Countdown to Green on IMSA Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to Michelin Countdown to Green for the... Uh, Live Rock Park, a round of this championship for this year. It's a two-hour, 40-minute race. Uh, delighted to say that joining me in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre is Jeremy Shaw. We'll get with Jeremy in a moment, but first let's get down onto the grid where Shea Adam is waiting for us. Let's soak up a bit of the atmosphere. Uh, temperature very pleasant indeed. Shear, uh, looks like we're not going to have any issues. 26 in the air, 41 Celsius on the track. And do we have all 15 cars ready to go? Yes, we do. And it is beautiful down here. But, John, the question has to be asked. If you can't see the cars, are they actually on the grid? Because there are that many people out enjoying this beautiful New England afternoon as it is now. We've already been treated to one race. And now we're getting ready for a second one, the IMSA WeatherTech sports car championship uh, two hours and 40 minutes it is not pleasant as far as the temperature is concerned though do not be fooled cloudy yes but it is still very humid very muggy and warm 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 i've seen a lot of people trying to open for this race and uh, just at the head of the grid to start walking back down to try and find some people to interview because you know what happens on these warm days people hide okay share Thank you very much indeed. We'll come back to you in a moment or two's time. Gives me a chance to speak with Jeremy Shaw, who's alongside me here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. A small but perfectly formed field. And the first thing we've been saying this all weekend, but people joining us all the time, Jeremy, this is effectively a single-class race. Yes, we've got GTD Pro and GTD for the points, but as far as race controls concerned, as far as uh, opening the pits are concerned after any safety cars, this is a single-class race this weekend. Indeed so, John, and um, and super excited about it too. It's always been a, uh, well, for the last several years, it's been a GT-only contest here at Lime Rock Park, also at VAR in a few weeks' time. But uh, this is the first time we've just had one category of car. Uh, as you say, the specifications for GDD and GTD Pro, exactly the same technically. So uh, this is the f- for the first time uh, that uh, IMSA has run a one-class race, other than a couple of times in 2014, the initial series after the I get together with the ALMS and uh, and Grandam that uh, there were a couple of uh, prototype challenge races that were run in conjunction with Indy with the uh, prototype lights. But other than that, this is the first time we're just a single class contesting a race, and I'm excited about it. I think it should be a really exciting race. Uh, that's yeah, I I am too, uh, and I think tactically things uh, might happen very very quickly. We'll wait for Shay to grab us. Uh, some interviews, but we'll go to our Porsche keys to the race. Jeremy will do the 
uh, the field run down for you as well. So all for one I've written in here. That's one class. That also means no GT Pro uh, split after any any yellows as well, Jeremy. Yeah, that's exactly right uh, too. So it, it, it's as a normal race during the season, uh, so far as uh, the IMSA uh, officials are concerned. Uh, the the uh, GTD and GTD Pro are always treated equally. Although I think there might have been some sort of a glitch at Sebring, but that's a completely separate matter altogether. So, uh, yes, uh, the GTD and GTD Pro cars, they're all treated the same. So this is a straight-up battle between the, the professional teams, uh, or professional drivers, I should say, uh, and the uh, kind of semi-professional drivers. The back of the grid, where, surprisingly, we find the BMW M Team RLL M4 GT3, the number 25. What's been going on here, Shea? That's not where they qualified. No, and it's it's not where the car should be because the speed we saw out of the BMW in qualifying was much greater. John Edwards, you guys just wanted more of a challenge, right? That's why you're starting from the back of the back of the field? Yeah, we wanted to start at the back uh, at the hardest track to pass on our schedule. So, uh, yeah, really unfortunate. Um, obviously, very much unintentional uh, error uh, there that, that uh, put us to the back. Um, one we don't quite understand yet because we had actually built in some margin, but unfortunately with the tight schedule yesterday, we didn't have time to go to tech uh, extra like we normally would to verify everything. Um, and with the, with the curb and the chicane that we tried to run, we had to change our floor, and we think that might have had something to do with you know, a different measurement on our spare floor compared to our primary when we'd run through tech before. So, um, you know, we thought we were legal. We tried to do the right thing and unfortunately, uh, unfortunately got caught out and that puts us really on the back foot because Connor had, had done a strong job in qualifying. You know, there's only five cars in our class, but all five can win at any given moment and at any given track. So uh, really unfortunate that, that we have to start at the back, not only of our, of our class, but to get through all the GTD cars. So Connor's got a, a, tough, a tough stint ahead of him to uh, put us back in the race. There are only three drivers, if my remembering is correct, that have actually got winning experience at Lime Rock as far as the GTD Pro class is concerned. Thankfully, you're one of those. Tricky strategy, just being relentless on track. What's it going to take to get to the front? Yeah, you know, I have really good memories here because this was my first win with BMW in the Z4. So we qualified on pole and, uh, and won the race. So very different uh, day than we've got today starting, uh, starting right at the back. But... Um, this place is always always furious. You know, it's always a, a huge uh, a huge challenge. I think when we won the race, there were four classes or at least three, um, including the LMP1 cars. So huge speed differentials, and that race was all about traffic management. And I think in a way today is about traffic management, but you're all in the same machinery, so you can't really breathe off. You can't really block in the right places for prototypes coming through, and you can't manage that the same way. It's pretty much going to be flat out and try to get through. So. In terms of tricky strategy, you know, we went through a lot of options t this morning in our in our strategy meeting, but it's a tough one because ideally, you know, with the deg that we're seeing on the tires, a three-stop would probably be the best strategy if you time it right and there's no yellows. But you equally have to you equally have to um, you equally have to get through the traffic, you know. So that's the big challenge: is if you do a three-stop and you put yourself on the back foot, but with good tires can you pass all the cars that are ahead of you? And that's going to be the real challenge. Definitely not giving up yet, especially since this is such a BMW track. John, good luck today. Thanks very much. Uh, I, I think whilst walking under a ladder, they uh, tripped over a black cat and dropped a mirror uh, at one stage because they, they've literally, everything that could possibly have gone wrong has gone wrong. They've lost a couple of decent starting positions. 
um, and they have uh, seemed somewhat nonplussed about it. Nobody's suggesting they were trying to, to take a flyer there. But for a team like uh, Rahal Letterman Lanigan, BMW M team, that's really unusual. And as I say, they, they seem uh, sort of surprised at what's been going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just nothing has gone their way, and uh, it, it's the drivers in particular have been absolutely superb this season. But no luck at all. And yeah, the car was a little bit too uh, too low in the uh, uh, qualif- after found, found a little bit too low after qualifying, which is what uh, John Edwards was alluding to there. But uh, and when he said three stops, he means three stints, two stops. I think is what it will most likely be during this race, um, because they can run a bit over an hour GT. GTD cars, probably 64 minutes uh, without saving fuel too much. But that, of course, will depend on the potential of some yellow flags during this race as well. But I think, uh, as he said, it's really changed the dynamic of the race in terms of that there isn't any traffic to deal with because uh, all the cars are very, very closely matched. So it's going to be a really interesting race. That's a good point. Uh, uh, and we mentioned in the Porsche case, the race, it's all one clack. So track position key then, surely. And starting yes. at the back is not where you, you want to be. And that no. could affect your strategy at the sharp end of the field as well in terms of when you take pit stops uh, and, and what you do with them. Um, it, splitting that race up because th- it is so important to be in clear air and not have to do uh, as much passing as, as, as John and, uh, and uh, Connor are going to have to do. That's exactly right, John. And of course, you know, they don't just go to the back of their of their GTD Pro class. They go to the back of the field. Uh, normally, um, in the, in, when the split cars with the other prototype cars here as well, uh, be they be they DPIs, P2s, or P3s at the, at the other races, if you have a, a technical infraction in qualifying, you just go to the back of the of that particular class. But as we've said all all the way along here, GTD and GTD Pro technically are treated as the same. So they have to go right to the back of the pack. So not only he's got to pass there for uh, 10 non-pro cars before he gets even to the back end of the GTD Pro field. And that's going to be really, really difficult because the the cars are so closely matched. They pick off uh, one or two pretty quickly. But after after that, it's going to be a challenge because I think the top six cars were covered by less than half a tenth of a second in qualifying. It was ridiculously close. So he's got a lot of work to do in in the early stages of this race, has gone to Filippi. But you remember back at Long Beach, he had the same issue there, and he did exactly that. He worked his way all the way through the field and was leading the race. And then, unfortunately, they got uh, undone there by a drive-time infraction, which was brought out by Correct. just an inauspiciously timed, importunely timed uh, full-course caution. They were just ridiculously unlucky. Uh, green flag pit stops around here. They call it the bull ring. Uh, it's a mile and a half or thereabouts around. Green flag pit stops, you will lose a lap. Going back to this, it all comes down to the same thing, Jeremy, about where you are on the track. So miss time a pit stop here and you're in real trouble. Yeah, if you make your full stop, you, you could, if, if, if you're at the back of the pack, you, probably, you might lose a lap. Otherwise, you could just about stay on the lead lap, depending on how much service has to be done during that pit stop. So if it's a really fast stop, you could probably do a drive-through here, for example, without a penalty perhaps, without uh, losing a lap. But any service that's required, you're probably, yes, going to lose a lap. So uh, strategy is going to be really interesting. That's why I'm sure, as John Edwards was talking about there, the strategy meeting would have been pretty intense this morning. 
Uh, we'll come back to our Porsche keys to the race in just a moment, but it's a, a big weekend for Tony Menard, the director of Michelin Motorsports for North America. It's his last race weekend. He's been a good friend to us. Hopefully he's enjoyed his time in the uh, IMSA paddock. Let's find out. Shea Adam is with him on the grid. Tony, it's been quite a, a good day for you so far. Got to give the command and wave the green flag for the Michelin Pilot Challenge. But what are the emotions like now as the last race is set to begin? Um, that's a kind of mixed emotion, you know, uh, between the pleasure to be there and then the fact that that's the last time. And uh, of course, I will miss this uh, unique atmosphere, the nice people and uh, all the friends that I have now in this part of the world. And uh, that's, that's really a wonderful experience because, uh, you know, we are uh, within Michelin and we are always paying a lot of attention to the people. and. Uh, and when you are, uh, like today, you know, surrounded by fans, uh, by drivers, uh, by media, and, and, and you have, a, you know, the kind of uh, feeling that, yeah, that's exactly what we have been asked to do. And, and on a personal note, that was a, a beautiful experience. So, well, nice. you will always be welcome here in the IMSA paddock, I hope you know, and, and on the IMSA radio airwaves as well. This is a very big race for Michelin because this is a track that is tire dependent more so than fuel dependent. So the tires make the bigger difference. What do you expect to see from them as the race goes on? I think um, what will be interesting is how the teams will manage uh, the right tires who are, uh, that are less uh, pressure here because the load is mainly on the, on, on the left and so as we have seen this morning in the pilot challenge you have uh, some tactics that could be played and changing only two tires instead of four and uh, so we'll see uh, who is ready to play with that and uh, but the most important is again uh, to make sure that the teams will follow recommendation in terms of pressure and uh, in order to be safe and fast because uh, I think this morning we uh, have reached 211 lap time record since Michelin joined in 2019. So looking for two others this afternoon, and uh, that would be okay. 2.13 would be a good number. Uh, that would be great. Where are you going to watch the start of the race from? Uh, from the Michelin Tower. Absolutely. You know, that's always my preferred place because uh, we have uh, always a nice location, and that's a working tool, and so but that will be the place. Uh, excellent, Tony. I hope you enjoy every minute of this race coming up. Thank you so much for the last couple of years. We've really enjoyed you. Merci beaucoup. Ah, uh, fantastic stuff from Tony. He's always made himself available, whether it's been on tyre testing or duties or anything like that. was part of our prototype panel when we were talking about the new cars as well very early on in the development. And uh, we wish Tony Minard uh, all the best in whatever his next challenge is with, uh, with Michelin. Uh, John Heinoff and Jeremy Shaw in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre will finish off our keys to the race and we've got to talk about tyres as well and the tyres Jeremy uh, we'll, I think we will see some uh, tyre strategy here rather than just banging on four tyres particularly if uh, the uh, particularly if the GT cars here split the race up into, into three uh, three pretty even sessions for them there might not be enough time to change all four tyres Right, a good point. That strategy is certainly going to be really interesting. And the, the fact that it is a, to, to just the one left-hand corner on this racetrack called the left-hander, thank you, 
uh, it's, uh, it means that the left-hand side tyres work, work really, really hard around here. I mean, there is no respite for them. If it's an all-green race, those left-side tyres are going to take a beating. So uh, they, they will almost certainly change left-side tyres. The question then is, do they change uh, rights as yeah. well? And I think we're going to see all sorts of different strategies played out. But uh, Tony brought, that, brought up there a really good point about the tyre pressures because, because it's a right-hand dominated track, um, not only do the teams sometimes set the cars up slightly asymmetrically so they work really well in the in the right-handers and they kind of give up the left-hander uh, in terms of the, the handling of the car, but also because of that, they will, as he said, run a, 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 a lower uh, pressure on the right-hand side just to, to make those cars, those tyres work a little bit harder to, to try and keep them, keep the wear as balanced as possible. Uh, let's head down and take some of the drivers who are at the sharp end of the field. Sheer Adam uh, is with Mattia Jamanir, who's on pole for GTD. It was his co-driver who finally got the pole position for Matty Campbell. But for Jamanek, this is still a good position to be in. So on paper, it's nice and simple, right? Matty leads from the start, hands the car over to you. You guys win the race and then get ice cream. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, obviously, it will not be that easy. Um, I think strategy will play a key role, a key role here uh, with such a short lap. You can quickly fall a lap down after a pit stop. And uh, if you get the unla unlucky yellow, your race is pretty much destroyed. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, uh, we want to have a good start, a clean first in, and then we, we see from there also what the competition will do. How much do you guys watch what the competition is doing when you're out in the lead? Because you determine the race. They're all watching you at that point. Yeah, uh, but let's say it's easier for them to take risks when you are behind and when you're in front. Uh, so, obviously, you need to be prepared for every scenario. Uh, luckily, yeah, the five guys are on it on strategy since the beginning of the year. So, uh yeah, I think we, we, we covered a lot of things in, in our pre-race meeting. Um, but yeah, it's never easy when you're up front to take too much risk on strategy. So you need to be too, too, uh, to see what the others are doing. And for sure, we have the focus on one or two cars maybe we want to cover with our strategy. With this being the fourth race in the championship left to go, three more after this one, and Road America, which you've never been to, which still blows my mind. And VIR, well. and VIR you've never been. Wow, you're in for a treat, my friend. Um, how much do you start thinking points racing, take a second place if that's what we have to do? Um, I think this is the approach we had all year long uh, so far, to be honest. Uh, obviously, I always believe when you're in a position to win, you should take it. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure, it's a, it's a risk management year. Uh, we're getting slowly towards the end of the season. So obviously, yeah, we're looking at the points and uh, we know now pretty much the two cars which, which are with us for, for the title. So yeah, this is maybe the, the car we have a bit more focus on. And, uh, and for sure, yeah, you have to be a bit more careful in, in traffic and, and out there when, when racing people. Good luck today. Thank you. Uh, we'll get Shea to grab uh, our other pole setter in just a moment's time. But uh, let's run down the 15 runners and riders uh, with Jeremy Shaw and Tim Gray. We'll play our favourite bit of music on the Mission Countdown to Gray. So the FCP Euro Northeast Grand Prix. This is round seven for GTD Pro in the Ibsen WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Also for GTD. Uh, so round seven for both of those two. For the Sprint Cup, it's round six with just two more races to go in that season. So 15 cars, 10 GTDs and 
and five GTD Pros, uh, and they, they will line up for the grid in the order in which they qualified. So coincidentally, all five GTB, GTD Pro cars qualified at the front, but one of them, as we've already heard, caliber 25, Colin Filippi, will start from the last position. That's the BMW M Team RLL, BMW M4 GT3. Row seven then is Ryan Hardwick in caliber 16, Wright Motorsports Porsche 911 GT3R. Alongside him, the Mercedes AMG GT3 for WeatherTech Racing, moving into the GTD category for this race is Cooper McNeil, that's car number 79. Row six, Aiden Reed in the number 51 Rick Ware Racing Acura NSX GT3, coming off a podium finish last time out at Canadian Tama Sport Park. Alongside them, uh, team taking part in its local race from New Jersey, Paul Miller Racing, it's BMW M4 GT3 car number one, starting driver is Madison Snow. Row five of the grid, Russell Ward in the Winwood Racing Mercedes, number 57, alongside the championship leader, Stephen McAleer, number 32, Team Courthoff Motorsports, Mercedes AMG. Row four of the grid is row two of GTD, that's Robbie Foley in the Turner Motorsport BMW, number 96, another locally uh, entered car, and number 27, Roman DeAngelis, a heart of racing team, Aston Martin Vantage GT3, that car has won the last two races in a row in GTD. Onto the front row then, a magnificent effort in qualifying, for Robert McGuinness in the car number 39, the Carbon with Peregrine Racing Lamborghini Huracan GT3. Robert from New York, is uh, this is his home race as well. And also for Frankie Montecalvo, who's from Highlands, New Jersey, on the pole position, the fourth time in his career, second in successive races in the number 12, Vassar Sullivan Lexus RCF GT3. Two front rows of the grid then, all GTD Pro. Jordan Taylor was starting the fourth position in car number three, the Corvette Racing Chevrolet Corvette C8R GTD, alongside the Aston Martin Vantage GT3, part of racing team, car number 23, race winner here last year, is Ross Gunn. Front row, making his return to the series after sustaining injuries in a motorbike crash. Jack Hawks of the car number 14, the Vassar Sullivan Lexus RCF GT3. But as we've heard already, on the pole position uh, for the first time in his relatively young career from Australia in the FAF Motorsports Porsche 911 GT3 R car number nine is Matt, Matt Campbell. Yeah, and uh, just rewards for, for Matt. He's worked his way through the, the hardware and certainly uh, in, in some respects, I say he's, he's, he's done his apprenticeship, hasn't he, Jeremy, coming up uh, through through the ranks and he and Matthew Jaminy have been rewarded with the works contracts in the new Porsche 963 uh, when that car starts racing uh, in, in the 2023 championship. Let's talk about the 2022 championship though. This is one of two GT only rounds. We'll be at VIR, VIR later in the season for the second one at Virginia International Raceway. Yeah, that's VIR. Uh, and how does the championship stand right now for GTD Pro and for GTT? For GTD Pro, Matthew Campbell and Matthew Jaminet have a pretty substantial lead already, well over 100 points over Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor in the Corvette. The uh, that FAF Motorsports Porsche, that's the only car to have won more than once this season. It's won three times in the six races. So uh, they have got a, a pretty ha handy lead there. In the Manufacturer Championship, but the same. They've got a, an even more commanding lead over Lexus, which is currently second in GTD Pro Manufacturers. In GTD, however, it's super tight. Stephen McAleer uh, leads the way coming into this weekend, but just a five-point edge over Ryan Hardwick and Jan Halen. 
in the right motorsports Porsche. So very, very tight there. And also not far behind in third place is Bill Oberlin and Robbie Foley in their BMW. Roman DeAndre is fourth place in the points for Heart Racing Aston Martin. That manufactured championship, also very, very tight. BMW leads it, but by only 18 points over Aston Martin coming into this weekend. In Sprint Cup, Madison Snow and Brian Sellers, uh, having won the first round of the, the Sprint Cup series uh, at, uh, at Long Beach, they lead by uh, over 100 points now over Robbie Foley and Bill Arbelin. So uh, they've got a handy margin there. And BMW also leads in the Manufacturer Championship in the Sprint Cup Series. Uh, so, uh, Jeremy, what are we going to see here this afternoon? Uh, temperature, great. Doesn't look like we're going to have uh, the issues that we had here with, uh, with weather. If anything... We're going to have to be looking at the track temperature because it's easing up towards 47, 48 degrees uh, Celsius, which is uh, well into to triple digits uh, on the the Fahrenheit uh, scale uh, with uh, the Michelin tyres having to work pretty hard. We know that it's a tough, tough track uh, for that. Everybody will have a plan coming in here. I, I suspect that that could all get torn up if we get an early safety car. Yeah, you know, strategy is going to be is going to be tough around here. Um, you know, do you want to give up that track position? That's the question mark, particularly with the times being so close in qualifying. Uh, yeah. So the teams are going to have to think long and hard. Often we'll see a team at the back maybe coming in, uh, to making an early pit stop to kind of get out of strategy with everybody else. But as we heard, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Matthew Jaminis say, you then run the risk of falling a lap down, and if the, if the caution then comes out at the wrong time, you could be hosed. So it's it's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah, uh, 117 Fahrenheit. Sorry, I was trying to do the arithmetic in my head, which uh, I I can't do. Uh, let's head back to Shear, who is on the grid on the grid and has Aaron Tealitz. Coming out of hiding, standing in the sunshine, it's getting warm out here. Aaron, is this what you guys were expecting for race conditions? Uh, well, I mean, based on how it was earlier today, no, but uh, we're going to take whatever we got. We got the best starting spot in GTD. Frankie's on a roll, two in a row uh, on pole position. We'll uh, just try to convert one now. Are you guys looking forward at the GTD Pro Cars, trying to get mixed up with them? Uh, I mean, we don't need to get mixed up with them, but uh, we're always looking forward. That's the direction we want to head is forward. So uh, obviously if something opens up, we'll go for it. But now we're not purposely looking to get mixed up in the GTD field or Pro field. Because I'm just thinking you could help a buddy out with the sister car a couple positions up. It would be more beneficial for the two Lexuses to work together in, in some scenario when you've got the potential of Aston doing the exact same thing. It would be, but they've got their race to win and we've got our race to win. And uh, that's more what we're going to be focused on here today. Yeah, third last year. Good luck getting it first today. Yeah, thank you. It's a fair point that, and a good question that Shea was asking there, Jeremy, because the, the temptation is always just to race the car in, in front of you. Frank Monte Calvo's got four GTD pros. It, it might be he gets an opportunity to pass one of them, and of course he's going to he's going to take that. But that's not the battle he's fighting as far as the championship's concerned. He's got to be looking back at Carbon and Hart Racing and Turner uh, and everybody else, in fact, because we know how close it's going to be behind him. And that that actually is is. That might be an odd thing for a racing driver to do.
So the FCP Euro Northeast Grand Prix coming up in just a few moments' time. 15 cars uh, on the grid. We'll have our Michelin post-race tech after it. Um, I, I won't ask you, Jeremy, for predictions. I think it's nigh on impossible, isn't it, to, to say what's going to go on here? Although we're going to have the excitement, at least, of the BMW trying to fight its, its way through the field. We're in an important part of the season now, Jeremy. The race is coming thick and fast. We've already seen, but with Carbon, uh, if you get a damaged car, it's, it's going to cost you uh, very much. Do you think that will affect the way people are thinking today? Well, yeah. I mean, your championship is, is obviously that's the you know, that's the the big goal here. That's the the big picture, and that's what you got to think about. And to your question, uh, a few moments ago, you know, some of these drivers they've got to park their egos, which for racing drivers sometimes is a problem. But they're, these are all good guys in this series, uh, and they they're looking at that big picture. And yes, they are thinking championship. For those out in front, you can't afford to take too many risks. Uh, but uh, for those looking to make up ground, you do want to take those risks because you know, we're coming down to the crunch point in the season. Just three races to go for the uh, for the season-long championships in Correct. both of these categories, and just just uh, just uh, two more races to go after here uh, for the Sprint Cup as well. So yeah, you know, we get getting down to crunch time now. Yeah, these are the all of the laps that count. As usual, if you want to get in touch with us, it's at IMSA Radio. And for Michelin Post Race Tech, use the hashtag MichelinPRT. Although the chequered flag ends the race, it's only the beginning of the conversation. A little bit of a change-up uh, for us here on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV for this race. As you might realise, uh, we've got a Porsche Carrera Cup North America race presented by the Cayman Islands up on the streets of Toronto so I'm going to step out of this part of the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre and leave Jeremy and Shea in the capable hands of Johnny Palmer who'll take you through this race but I'll be back for Michelin Post Race Tech and if you uh, want to watch both at the same time then if you go on to uh, RadioLamont.com Sound and Vision uh, from Toronto with our call uh, will be on there however it's going to be a cracking race here with 15 cars around this short circuit. It is the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for the FCP Euro Northeast Grand Prix. We're bringing sound and vision together with no blocks, with no brakes. And the only side-by-side is what you'll see going down into Turn 1 as the cars are trying to make passes. Stay tuned as we go live on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV from Lime Rock Park.